Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. I've done a podcast on strategic thinking and one on other elements of strategy. So I think it's time that I address strategic planning. It's so important in making an organization maximally effective. Now, I know some people think that in chaotic times, strategic plans should go out the window. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I think even in the most tumultuous times, a plan can help steady the course and maintain some degree of alignment in an organization and just also help people feel like they have some direction that the organization is going somewhere very thoughtfully. So let's get started. This is a two-part series. We're going to start by briefly reviewing some of the terminology that I think is foundational in strategic planning. Some of the definitions will seem obvious to you, but I still think that they're worth stating. At least by stating them, we can start with a shared understanding of what we're talking about. Now, after we run through the definitions, we'll cover preparing for an effective strategic planning process. In part two of the series, we'll address strategy formulation, implementation, and evaluation. So where does it really start? My thought is that it starts with an organization having a clear mission. The mission simply answers, what's the business and what will it be in the future? Or at least, what does it aspire to be in the future? It's a succinct statement that clarifies purpose, direction, and conceptually guides the organization as it evolves and as it progresses. Now, some people contend that in addition to the mission, an organization also has to have a vision statement. Well, I'm really not sold on that idea. I think a clear mission is enough. Now, I do believe that an organization needs clearly stated core values that are linked to really specific behavioral objectives. But even those core values are not necessarily required for strategic planning. So we got our first important term out of the way. That's mission. The next basic term is strategic plan. We use that term as if everybody knows what it is. But I want to be sure that we're working together from the same definition. What exactly is a strategic plan? I think of it as a GPS or a map that reflects an understanding of who the organization was, who it is, and who it intends to be. It's something that accounts for the internal and the external business environments. It guides decisions, it guides operational initiatives, and it guides just about everything else. It's a living, breathing document that organizations use to thoughtfully, intentionally move into the future. A strategic plan is really an outline that guides the operations and keeps them on course or aligned with mission. It works through long and short-range performance targets and goals. 
Strategy formulation is the next term I think we need to clarify. It frames the work required to make the mission come to life. It's how the tactics are actually developed. Most often, strategy is formulated in a formal strategic planning process. Simply put, strategy formulation is how you come up with the plan. The next term, strategy implementation. They're all important, but this one is of particular importance. So many organizations spend a ton of time and money on strategic planning, but then they don't do anything with the plan. Implementation takes us beyond the lofty ideas and ideals to real action. And this is the action that makes the plan come to life. This is where leaders are put to the test. Is there a commitment to real action or is the rhetoric of strategic planning all that they want to do? Implementation is all about activities, the activities that put strategy in place, that manage its impact, that evaluate its successes, and that ensure that targeted results get achieved and get met. Inherent in implementation is evaluation. The best approaches to implementation integrate a component of evaluation. Measuring, benchmarking, those are the things that enable the organization not only to stay on track, but also to have good data for recalibrating the plan. So that's it for the basic terms. Mission, strategic plan, strategy formulation, and strategy implementation. Now, this process of strategic planning begins with a commitment, a commitment to a thoughtful, thorough, well-developed process. That means it's not a few executives going to the mountaintop, being led by an all-wise, all-knowing consultant, and descending with a plan that's going to fearlessly lead the organization into the future. It's not like that at all. Instead, a good process is collaborative. It draws on the insights of cross-functional, cross-level stakeholders. I got to tell you, I've worked with organizations that have invited employees who've never had voice before into strategic planning. They turned out to be some of the best and most valuable contributors. Do not be afraid to invite unlikely participants. Those are untapped resources that can bring real innovation to the table. Having a collaborative, team-based approach makes it less likely that personal agendas, typically from executives, will get in the way. It makes it less likely that a single individual will position themselves as the resident expert, the person who has all of the best answers. Fundamental in a sound planning process are norms. These are the collectively agreed upon ways in which people will interact with each other. Norms really enable you to operate from a point of collective agreement in the strategic planning process. I'm not talking about agreement on the plan itself, 
I'm talking about agreement on how you're going to work together. Solid norms really help us when we have people from all levels participating. The norms are what keep the executives from dominating or steering the process. They create a more democratic approach to moving the organization forward. Good norms also really allow for every voice on the planning team to be heard and for lots of diverse ideas to surface and then be considered. The norms that I propose to my clients include limited airtime. That means everyone gets to be heard and no one gets to dominate the conversation. I especially like the norm, be brave. That's something I learned from a fearless woman named Megan Radcliffe. It means use your voice, speak whatever you believe your truth is, and don't be afraid to disagree. Another norm I really like in strategic planning is disagree. It's good to disagree. It's good to get a lot of different perspectives on the table. It's good to have healthy debates about the course that the business is going to take. You don't want a process where everyone says yes and nods their head in agreement and then leaves and says, that was stupid. I didn't agree with that. Can you believe she said that? That's not you, what you want. You want to create a process where people are comfortable disagreeing. Come up with norms that work for you, your environment, and your organization. Be sure they're understood and that they're agreed upon. Each time that your group gathers, review the norms. This keeps people focused on how you've agreed to interact. As you start to think about the participants, be wary or on the lookout for the planning participants who assert their own agendas and blow off the norms, that's really dangerous. It diverts attention from what may be best for the organization. As you work on developing your process, stay focused on the good of the organization and all of its stakeholders. Norms will help you to do that, but even the best norms can't override self-interest, political agendas, and other ego-based behaviors that really can derail the process. Well, talking about those kinds of behaviors and those kinds of participants, I was so frustrated and so annoyed when doing a strategic planning with a really large financial institution. It was very obvious, very, very obvious, that the board president had an agenda and an axe to grind with the CEO. And there was a power differential because she was the board president. She repeatedly ignored the one person talks at a time. Be respectful. Shut up when it's not your turn. She ignored those norms constantly. Now, I like to think I'm a pretty good facilitator. Actually, I like to think I'm an excellent facilitator. But that was one of the times when I will tell the truth. I lost my cool. I stopped the process, stopped the work, and asked her if it was at all possible for her to abide by the norms that we'd all agreed to. I knew I had totally lost it 
when I asked her if she could possibly control her nonverbals. The eye rolling, the pronounced shifts in the chair, they were annoying and they were distracting. And not just to me, but to everybody else. Now, this was not my finest moment as a facilitator, but it did rein her in temporarily. In truth, she put a lot of effort into derailing the process and she wore me out. And she wore out the rest of the board members. That was her tried and true tactic. And it worked. It worked well. As you think about the process, make sure that the methodology you select meets the needs of your organization. Do not use canned or boilerplate approaches. Take the time to devise a process that reflects who you guys are as an organization. Now, here comes the chicken-egg dilemma. Should you begin data gathering before you start the process or after? I say after. The reason I say after is because your process should inform what data you gather. The other perspective is that you need data to create or design your planning process. In either case, get some data and get some good data. You're looking specifically for information that'll inform a wide range of possibilities for the direction of the organization. You're going to want quantitative data and qualitative data. As you think further about your process, be sure it's not just about analysis. Decision-making and action are the primary objectives of any sound strategic planning process. I believe that it's important to be reality-based as you enter strategic planning. That means expect resistance. Do not be naive. There are people at the leadership level and all throughout the organization who really don't want progress. They're committed to maintaining the status quo. They'll have trouble being forward-focused. They'll struggle with envisioning anything different for the organization or even for themselves. So get ready because you know and I know that resistance is coming. I want to give you an example. And this is another board president that just got on my last nerve. This one is the board president of a nonprofit. The board had evolved from being a rubber stamp board that just said yes to the executive director. And this happened because of the prior board president. He was visionary in so many ways, and I had so much respect and admiration for his vision. That guy was so forward-focused, and he really believed that nonprofits had to be progressive to survive. In his term, he was able to build collaboration that was really innovative. In his two terms, he was even able to launch a new service that, to this day, 10 years later, maybe it may even be 15 years, but that is that service is the hallmark of the organization. He caused the organization to rethink its mission and pivot to meet the changing needs of the community. Well, his term ended, and the woman who was next in secession 
wanted very much to turn back the hands of time. She had a close, personal relationship with the executive director, and they were bent on going backwards. The strategic planning process that she spearheaded was a labor because neither she nor the executive director wanted to look ahead. They wanted to move the organization back. They wanted to move its mission back to dismantle the progress. Well, the strategic planning process clearly and glaringly surfaced the two factions on the board, the progressives and the regressives. Fortunately, the progressives prevailed. The executive director took a long, and I mean long, overdue retirement. The backwards-looking board president was so enraged with the progress that the organization continued to want to make that she resigned. And such is life. That's how it goes. Everyone's not interested in preparing for the future. Some folks deeply mourn the past, and they fictionalize it so that everything looks so much better than it actually was. They want to hold on to myths, and they want to hold on to their fantasies. The last thing I want you to think about related to the process you're going to devise is that it needs to be outcome-oriented. The outcomes should strengthen the position of the entire organization. They should guide the work of the business units so that they fulfill the mandates of the mission and move the organization forward. Now, you might be waiting for me to give you a map for the process or for our process. I'm not doing that because processes are individualized. The points that I've mentioned should give you a good framework for the process that you develop that's unique for your organization. Now, in part one, we've covered the fundamentals to get you started on a productive strategic planning process. You've got the terms. You understand why norms are so important and are ready to craft a process that will work for your organization. In part two, we're going to go through what it takes to structure or actually formulate your plan to figure out how to implement and evaluate it. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world. Thank you.